Hello, I'm Steve, the retired criminal investigator with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, the Federal Law Enforcement Agency of the United States Air Force. I'm Hannah, the amateur true crime enthusiast. I've been fascinated with my dad's job, and I love starting conversations with him to learn more. Join us each week as we share these conversations with you and discuss a real criminal case that piques our interest. Hello. Welcome back, Hello. archivists. It looked like you were going to speak, so. No, just giving you the symbol to start. Well, it, that's why I was like a little delayed there for a second, because <laughs> it looked like he was going to say something. Thought no. maybe for once you'd try the, the intro. <laughs> All right. Here we are, episode two. Part two. Part two. Part two. Don't confuse new listeners. Oh, okay. Part two. This is part two of the murder of Lee Rotatory. We mm-hmm. uh, talked two weeks ago, actually, now. Just as a quick reminder, we are in 1982 in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Lee Rotatory had just gotten there for her new job. She was waiting for her husband to move out with her. She was training. It was, you know, five days in and she didn't show up to work. So it was, you know, disputed whether some coworkers called or it was just like the cleaning people at the hotel that went in and found her in her room at this motel. We ended the last episode with the, her husband's alibi. That's where we ended. Yeah. I, I don't like the guy. He wasn't physically there. But he was he delivered flowers as a part time gig. Yes, I was going to say quick. So another um, quick reminder on like the the room and uh, there was no murder weapon, no signs of forced entry. There was a little bit of green green flower foam found on the the, yep. f- the floor. The working theory here is that it might have been a fl- floral delivery person. And when they speak to her husband, he's forthcoming. He goes down there and talks to them. Also, reminder, he's nine hours away where they live. Yeah. Um, and he goes and talks to them. It h- turns out his side job is as a floral delivery person. So, yeah. And he has a prior murder charge that I, I was about to talk to uh, talk about. I haven't talked about that yet. But yeah. so, so you are again, under the assumption he did it. Right. Because she obviously answered the door because she was in her pajamas. So she obviously answered the door, let somebody in, you know, or so, at least open the door. Yeah, no open the door, entering. right. So the, the, the flower thing, I, I'm just thinking if he wanted to kill his wife, he could help some, give somebody an idea of how to how to do it. She'll answer the door. She'll think I'm sending her flowers. Right. And he's familiar with flower delivery. So maybe, you know. Right. Because, again, his alibi is he was at work yeah. and he, both of his jobs, confirmed. both of his bosses confirmed that he was working on top of he uh-huh. was nine hours away. All right. So. That's a bummer. I think it's him. So, so far, that's where you're at. Okay. okay. We talked about his his alibi. That mm-hmm. was where we ended. If you haven't listened to that last episode, go back and listen to that first. And then come back here. And, this and then is where come we're back. Up. Yeah. yeah. I mentioned that he had a prior murder charge. We talked briefly about that. But this is mm-hmm. a little more in depth to give you an idea about this person. April 29th, 1960. 16-year-old Marilyn Duncan was last seen with Jerry Nemke, which is... Lee Rotatory's husband. Um, he was 17 years old at the time, and they were seen af- around after 9 p.m., and they were on a date. The next morning at 8 a.m., she was found unconscious by police officers lying along the Northwestern Railroad behind a factory in Chicago. 
She was mm-hmm. on the verge of dying. She was in a pool of blood with extensive extensive injuries to her head and chest. She was found with a pair of sunglasses, a fifth gallon bottle of wine, and three bricks were found a few feet away from her. She was taken to a local hospital where she died a few days later on May 1st. Her wallet was found May 2nd, 50 to 75 yards away from where her body had been found, and Nemke was arrested that same day. He's tried and convicted and sentenced to death. Now, the Illinois State Supreme court orders him a new trial because of the way that they got his confession they didn't like the way that they got his confession Mm -hmm. they said it was not obtained properly at the second trial he is convicted and given a life sentence and in 1978 the parole board lets him out and then lee's family when like this all comes to light during the investigation lee's family says they had no idea that he was a convicted murderer Remember I mentioned in the last episode, yeah, they hadn't she? really, it's unclear. They said that they had no idea. They had only seen him a handful of times. My assumption is that no, she did not know. Yeah, I, I don't know how not, you know, he's in jail for a while. I want to know how he got paroled. That's interesting. It happens, yeah. So after finding out all of this information, investigators go back to his alibi. So the morning of the 25th, before Lee is found, he went to Lee's former job at around 8 a.m. to return her lab coat. And then he goes to a stable where she was, she had some animals where she was um, working Mm -hmm. to return some just random items that she had asked him to return. Now, this seems suspicious to investigators because it seemed like too calculated to establish an alibi. I don't think that that's weird, though. Because they were planning a move. She got a new job and she had to quickly go out there for training. And they had been on the phone the day before talking about their move out. So, like, to me, that just kind of seemed I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt here. To me, that just kind of seemed like normal things like, hey, can you go return my lab coat? I didn't get a chance to do that before I left. And it just kind of happened to be on the same. I don't know. It didn't seem the lab coat. I don't know. It's just a lab coat. But it could have been. So important. he went to her former. Her former, yeah, uh, work. And said boss. He, he, she wanted me to turn in this lab coat. Yeah. So I police mean, are try, thinking. He's trying to establish his alibi a little bit better. Yes, that's what police are thinking that maybe it was murder for hire. Oh, geez, not bad, Dad. <laughs> yeah. You, 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 on the right theory there. Yes. However, financial records go on to show nothing. They, for, they cannot. Find ev- any evidence in the fi- in his financial records to suggest that it was a murder for hire. Okay, and I thought that was interesting too. I to me it doesn't. It just seems like a husband doing what his wife asked in preparation of a move. Well, we don't know that she asked that. That's what he says. Mm. But it doesn't seem weird to me because we know that they that yeah, she had just got a new job. I, know. I don't know. Okay. To me, it doesn't seem weird. Okay, so he went and returned the coat, and then went where? And then goes to a stable um, where she uh, was keeping some animals and she was uh, okay. working and he asked him to just return some like random items. All right. So they look through his records and there's no like large deposits or large nope. or large um, withdrawals that would maybe signify, hey, what nope. what was that payment for? Yeah. No, nothing. Nothing that okay. stood out to them. So this is really where the case started to go cold for law enforcement. 
And then in 2001. Okay, what year was that that it went cold? 1982. Okay. So like within that first year. Okay. Is when it goes cold. And then in 2001, so 1982 to 2001, you want to do the math real quick? <laughs> 20 years. Oh, 2001, 81, 2001, yeah. Oh, duh. <laughs> Oops. Mm-hmm. We can pretend that I knew that. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really matter. 20 years go by, and the rape kit that had been done mm-hmm. is resubmitted to this uh, the state of Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation Lab. Oh. Mm-hmm. Advances in technology, forensic technology, sh- does show the presence of a male DNA profile. Okay. So that's just what they have. Okay. So that's in 2001. It doesn't go anywhere from there. They they run it. Nothing comes up in the system. So again, where it's going to kind of go cold like it always does. And then in 2011, Detective Steve Andrews and Katie Patty, which is the crime lab manager, uh-huh. and Detective Steve Andrews is from the Council Bluffs Police Department. They he reopens the case and he works with Katie, and they reopens or just picked it up cold. Like picked yeah, yeah picked yeah. it up because the the profile had been ran over like the yeah. last ten years. They yeah. are continuously running the DNA profile, showing no match. Right. Um, Jerry Nemke had never been tested against this profile. So he does give them his DNA. This is the husband. Yes, this is Lee Rotatori's husband. And in 2011, he is found to not be a match to the DNA. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he, Steve Andrews, goes on to test every male that they talk to that is listed in the files. He tests them all against the DNA profile yeah. that they have. And Nothing like we said before, back. they don't release those names because those people are all right. cleared. Right. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the husband though is. Yeah. He's been here. So then again, 2018 is a big year for yeah. DNA. Genetic genealogy, here we come. So with the Golden State Killer that sparked in a lot of different police departments mm-hmm. over the country being like, oh, maybe we should try this and apply this mm-hmm. to our cold cases. And that is exactly what they do. In 2019, Steve and Katie want to try this genetic genealogy katie tries um but recognizes that it's a huge undertaking and so that's when they realize that they really need to hire an independent lab however as we've talked about that's kind of expensive Mm -hmm. all of these like independent labs to do the genetic genealogy it's really expensive yeah i think it's like up to fifty thousand dollars or something like that i've heard anywhere between like 30 and 50 yeah 30 and 50 all of this uh, research uh, it's a lot of money and so they're kind of at a dead end again and so we are back with Eric Schubert. He is the at the I mean, at the time he was 18 years old, who has just had a hobby in gene- genealogy. Oh, this is the kid out of Pennsylvania yes. was out of Pennsylvania. Was he? He d- he did a case in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay, he's, okay, yeah. He's helped oh. solve quite a few at this point. Uh, what was the case we did with him? I can't remember now. Uh, yeah. We'll have to post that on the Instagram what it is, but I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we did a case with him. I was him. avoiding saying that, so we wouldn't Yeah, announce. it's okay. You were avoiding saying it, but you're dead. You never know what I'm going to say. Because um, I didn't want to sound unprepared if you want to cut this part out. No, no, no. People can listen. All right. But yeah, I'll po- I'll post it. it. It was a recent one. We just recently talked about him. So in 2021, he reaches out to them by email. So he is actually reaching out to 
uh, law enforcement at this point in different areas. And he's like, hey, I, I just pure coincidence. He said, do you have any cold cases? I would like to help out if I'm able to. And now obviously they have to like look into him. You're not going to right away just be like, yeah, sure. Here. Right. You have to look in. Yeah. Um, turns out that he actually has his uh, runs his own genealogy company. When he was interviewed, he says that he was 10 years old when he got into genealogy because of his family. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just sounds like every single story you hear of all of these geneticists. They get into it because they're interested in their family history. The week that he graduated from high school, a police department reached out to him. And then four months later, he he closed his first cold case. So literally right out of high school, he is just like changing lives. Yeah, but he's doing this for free. Yeah. He's not Um, making it. That's from what I from what I from what can't talk from my understanding in my research. It sounds like he is doing this for free, but it also does say that he runs his own genealogy company. Mm. It could be a genealogy company that is just doing this for free. Mm-hmm. But that's what it sounds like in all of like the articles and the it shows. It could be a nonprofit. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. It's it sounds like he's doing this because he's just reaching out to them. And again, remember they mentioned that genealogy was going to be too expensive for them, mm-hmm. so they wouldn't have been able to do they it. They wouldn't have paid, been paying them, right? Right. So it sounds like he's doing it at least for just to be able to help people. Um, he does go on to say that Lee's murder had been his most challenging to work on so far. Mm-hmm. It was the biggest genetic web. They had to make so many family trees. Now, remember, we've talked about this in almost all of the, the cases mm-hmm. that we've spoken about genealogy. You have to build the family tree and then like work backwards to find the DNA profile that matches. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're building family trees and it's just like one big web. I guess this family, the profile it just has so many people attached mm-hmm. to them. He's able to find like an unexplained break in the lineage. And so to him, his theory was that there was someone in the family that was born out of wedlock because, again, so they're looking at names, too. So really, they're going off of this tree with family names. So he wasn't able to find someone. So he said it had to have been someone born out of wedlock. So he had to look for another DNA line that picked up where his left off. And I was um, I got this all of this information from his interview on the show that I watched about this case. So this is all All from him explaining it. And in the, he found that in the 1930s or 40s, there was an, illeg- an, an, an illegit child, illegitimate child. Yes. A child born out of wedlock. OK. So and so that's why they had yeah. the different name. Yeah. So with talking to the family records with the family and looking through the family records, they they found that he was right. And that's how they finally get to the name Thomas Freeman. Mm-hmm. So not the husband. <laughs> The husband didn't kill her. Right. Are you are you still going to work off the theory that he hired someone? Yeah. Okay. Thomas Freeman, actually, interestingly enough, which will probably make you think the husband did it even more, Thomas Freeman was found shot four times in the chest in Chicago right after Lee, Lee Rodefer's murder. It, it, it just, with a twenty five caliber handgun. Yeah. Someone. Where, where was he killed? Chicago. Where's the husband living at? Michigan. They were living in Michigan. Then she moved to Iowa. He was supposed to be moving to Iowa nine hours away. Uh, Chicago's not that far. So, yeah, he killed the guy, that kn- the only other person that knows. Okay. He was found in a shallow grave. He had been shot with a twenty-five caliber handgun. He was a truck driver. Uh, no murder weapon was found. 
there was really no physical evidence or witnesses and his murder goes unsolved for 35 years <laughs> at this at the same time it's been all this time okay to confirm that he was actually the one who murdered Lee Rotatori, they had to reach out to his living daughter for her DNA. Yeah, and if you Can remember, you this is this is where the states and the Justice Department get uncomfortable with the genetic genealogy because they go into a third party, mm-hmm. and when they voluntarily get their DNA, there's rules you have to... When you're done with it, you have to destroy it and get rid of the profile and everything. That's that's what makes them nervous. That makes sense from the third party, but I don't understand the problem in going to her and being like, "Here's our information. Can yeah. we have your DNA?" No, it's about it's about them having the DNA of somebody who hasn't done anything. You know? Yeah. That's but that's the same as going to any random person and saying, "Can I have your DNA to rule you out?" That's different. That's and then suspect. them saying yes. Yeah. If you're a suspect, you're a suspect. Oh, so you're saying she's not, she's a, not suspect. a suspect. No. No, they, but they want to rule out they, her her family member that is dead. Right, but they have to go because they don't have his DNA. Could they not just exhume him? I I'm, I don't know if they he's could buried exhume or cremated. Him. So they, right, they could exhume him. Right, but it's just yeah, she's not. She's just w- witness or I it don't would know. just be easier to go to the living relative than yeah, to exhume. and and that's all. It's just. Most it's just the two states, um, Maryland and Montana, as we talked about. They get a little bit uppity about that. Oh, a uh, quick side note: since you bring that up, I had wanted to bring that up, but I d- it wasn't enough to make like a full episode about it because uh, for, for those of you who don't know, I live in the state of Maryland, and seems like she lives here. But <laughs> okay, <laughs> good. Um, when we move farther away you guys can tell remind him of this when he is crying that we're no longer super close all right good but anyway so we talked about the laws that maryland put into place what was it last year they put into place yeah i think so So if you remember they just have rules on genetic genealogy so they have they want audits to be done this is what i'm talking about hannah why are you right hold on i want to tell you the update oh okay okay Okay. because i read about it i was i live in the state of maryland so it shows these kind of things come Mm -hmm. across my twitter feed Mm -hmm. because you know we vote and all this stuff Mm -hmm. so those that rule hasn't actually been put into place they're not doing those rules because it hasn't completely passed through there's not enough money to like what's the term I'm, i'm looking for to, to start yeah, all yeah, of that right. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So there's not like they have funding. To get in the budget. Yeah, there's no like funding. There's no manpower for it. Right. So it's it hasn't passed through completely. Okay. So while they put it into law, it's not actually being practiced. So genetic right. genealogy still isn't mm-hmm. like what's the word? Regulized. Regulated? Regulated. Yeah, no, this this happens. I they, didn't know that. They all these things they want you to do, but they you have to get the money, the infrastructure. Yeah. So I it, mean, it makes they have sense, to get it in budget and stuff. So okay. Yeah, so it's not currently in yeah. budget. Okay. To be regulated. Mm-hmm. So my understanding is that law enforcement can continue to do it, right. right? And not have all these Yeah, it's just it's just third party that's all they want to protect, you know. Right. The people that they're going to seek out that really don't have any relationship. Other than maybe a family member, you know, uh-huh. they want to make sure you destroy that afterwards. Yeah, that was just an interesting. Yeah. We have an episode on that also. There was a whole mm-hmm. a whole episode dedicated to the the laws. Yeah. If you guys want to go listen All to right. that, that was just a little yeah. update. You it you cycled into it perfectly. 
Okay, okay, so they go to her. They go to the da- the daughter. You said yeah, and they ask yeah. for her DNA. Uh huh. And she yeah she gives she gives it to them, mm-hmm. and it comes back as a match to what investigators had from Lee. Detectives look into Thomas Freeman's background. Obviously, that's the next. That's one of the things that they're doing at the same time mm-hmm. to really like yep. I guess corroborate the DNA to say yeah this makes sense. There were he had no other violent crimes. There was no possible connection that they were able to find from him to Jerry Nemke, but they were able to find a third party who was friends with both of them. So well, Nem- look Jerry at that. Nemke. <laughs> well, look at that. <laughs> you, I know you think the husband hired him. Well, there's some relationship, like the husband talking about what a drag it is. He doesn't want to be married anymore. And then this part, person that knows them both says to the other guy, he wants you to go kill his wife, you know, no harm, no foul, because he doesn't like her. Oh, by the way, you know, it'd be a good idea. Act like a a flower shop delivery, and that'll be your insurance policy, because it'll look like he did it somehow. You know. All right, just we'll get to the end, and I'll we'll see wh- who's right here. Did I say he didn't want to be married to her anymore? No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just. Oh, you're speculating. Okay, okay. Yeah. I was like, mm, hold on. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> I, no. Gotcha, I'm just, gotcha. Yeah. He's speculating what could have happened. Yeah, theorizing. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. All right, so they found so, the relationship. Right, so Jerry So Nemke see, the police moved. are still on to him. The police still want to close him out completely. They haven't closed him out completely. Yeah, they're, so they're looking for a relationship yeah. because they uh-huh. also still believe the, the hire for murder. Yeah. Um, murder for hire. Did I s- murder for hire. Murder for hire. J- Jerry Nemke moved 15 miles away from where Thomas was living in 1978 when he was released from prison which is also the same year that him and his wife were met. Remember, we established mm-hmm. that. There was no evidence, like I said, that they knew each other, but uh, Detective Andrews found a third party who was friends with both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets a tip that Jerry had hired someone to kill her for life insurance. But again, he was never able to confirm that theory either. He looked through their financial records, his financial records. He was never able to confirm that he received money, and there was no evidence that he hired Freeman also so there was no large deposits okay. no I'm sure and I like I feel like um, verifying a life insurance payout is fairly easy because you can call the life insurance place no, right it's easy that's too easy that's the easiest thing to do yeah so he there was I because guess he didn't get it the he, deceased doesn't have an expectation of privacy so they get right. those records easy he was not able to find anything financially that corroborated that Freeman was able that Freeman hired sorry Freeman that Nemke hired Freeman to murder Lee and then to top it off Jerry Nemke died in March of 2019 so now we will for sure never know why will we never know because he's dead Okay. So if what, there was ever a what chance, about, okay, so if there was ever a chance of him like confessing no, no, to right, hiring confessing, someone, but let's finish the investigation. So okay, so they get this dead guy, and they prove that he, they they believe he's the murderer. Yes. What's his? So the only now, thing they find is rem- the the relationship between this other person, the third party. Yeah. There's okay, no. There's did, nothing else in the investigation. Did they talk to that third party? It didn't say. Uh. I would assume so. so. But what I read was what I read and what was in the show that I watched was that there was no evidence that he hired him, that Nemke hired him. And that there was no evidence that they knew each other. 
So it sounds like they talked to that third party and that third party was like, no, I just know them independently, separately. I've never seen them together or whatever. Because he says his <sighs> investigation found no evidence in any of this. That's it? Yeah. Well, it's a downer. Yeah, there's no evidence that they knew so each other. So they closed no the case and and they, they found the killer. Yeah. Remember you made an argument one time, though, that just because the DNA was found. Yeah. Like, did he really kill her? Right. So, you know, all these people getting exonerated, right? Mm -hmm. There's another DNA profile. All that means to me is that mm. somebody else was there or somebody else sexually assaulted. You know what I mean? Depending on mm -hmm. where the DNA was found. That's all like. I mean. This one's a little bit different, right? Because she was by herself in that hotel room. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. no witnesses saw her other yeah. than if you remember, no witnesses saw her other than the McDonald's workers at around like 11 yeah. when she. You know, so she I think back. it's safe to say that. But it that. Yeah, that's. So, yeah, you're right. That's the argument I used to make. Yeah. I mean, do you believe that argument still? Are you, yeah. You're stuck with her no, husband. No, hired. no, no. I'm, I'm good. Like when they say, hey, this is it. But I say. Really, that just proves that they, yeah, that there was somebody else there, you know. Yeah, I find that interesting too. Like, I don't get me wrong; it's awesome what genetic genealogy is doing for yeah. all of these cold cases and all of these families. But I do find myself wondering, like, okay, well, but here's the reality: because so in most of these cases, it is yeah. semen that is found, so obvious sexual assaults. Yeah, and that makes sense that the defense would be like, "Well, yeah, I had sex with them." Right, but there's other th other factors, right? There's probably cases where they can't rule it out, right? But there are other factors, you you know, like um, location. The person was the cell to yeah. tower was pinging, and like it, it just yeah. adds up. There was nobody else there. That kind of uh, three o'clock in the morning. The one we're going to talk about next week. The defense you know, is going to be that. And yeah, it's very and, clear that and, that's not the case. Right, and, and you know they saw the vehicle license plate. Yeah, you know they yeah. add up all that kind of stuff. I'm just saying. In situations like this, yeah. when there's no other evidence, no yeah. witnesses, no other DNA. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. All right. Well, that's that, frustrating, especially since they're both the husband and and you know I, yeah the husband has a prior murder conviction too, so he's not above murder, obviously. So what happened to the guy, the third party? He's... Again, like you said, their names aren't going to be released. So his he had nothing to do with this yeah, other than that's knowing he each said. of them independently. Because that's what he said. But again, right. Detective Andrews said that he, he went through all of the banks. He went through everything and he found no evidence that Nemke had hired him or even known him. All right. Maybe Who? did uh, did the money pass through the third party? I'm sure Detective Andrews yeah. looked into that. All right, because is send that us what a you're note. Thinking? What do you What do you think? What do you What do you think? Send us your theories. What What happened? I think the husband was involved. Send us your ideas and thoughts. Um, I mean, again, he's definitely not above yeah. murder. But I think even if the third party friend was an option for the money to pass through, yeah, law enforcement. Because that's what you're thinking. You're a law enforcement. They would have gone through it and they would have said that, mm, you know? Yeah. He said he found no evidence anywhere. Okay. So I, I don't know. That is, mm. it's a really, it's very sad that they, yeah, that the answers aren't completely there. But we know who the murderer is and that's a big clue. All right. This is a, this is an interesting one. So, yeah. It was really sad also. Mm. Okay. That's and that's that's really it for part two. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Good job. All right. I think it's a husband, but you guys let us know. 
Yep. And stay tuned for next week because I mentioned that a second ago. Also, if you didn't listen to part one, go back and listen to part one. That yep. is the last one mm-hmm. that is on our feed. Um, you can go back and listen to – I'll post all the ones we re-referenced today to listen to because those okay, are all good yep. episodes. And, yeah, if you want to follow us – so I'll post them on the Instagram. That's True Come Archives Podcast. Mm-hmm. And then TC Archives Pod is our Twitter. So I'll post all that information there t- um, if you go follow us there. Mm-hmm. You can give us a five-star review on Spotify now. That is a newer mm-hmm. thing. Uh, usually we talk about Apple. If you could go give us a rating on both of them. And, yeah, we'll be here next week. Turn on your notifications on Spotify and click the follow button, and you'll get Mm -hmm. notified whenever we have new episodes and updates. And, yeah, I think that's it for my information. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Later. Bye.